Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news and sometimes interviews. This is episode number 60, recorded July 24th, 2021. I'm your host, Charles Grant. In today's episode, Aloha attendees for sale, picks on a plane, Packlock looking for more testers, another Bosnian Bell update, first pick of the six pin goal P, manipulating the Stanton Concepts RKS, meetups, new products, lock picking criminals, sales, giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. If you don't already have one, you can find a Podcasting 2.0 compatible app at newpodcastapps.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. YouTube and some apps limit the length of show notes and the links I can put in, but you can always find full show notes with all of the links at thelocksportscast.com. You can find video clips of some of the stories discussed on our Clips YouTube channel when I get around to updating that. Uh, links are in the show notes. Uh, just another last time, quick announcement. Uh, you can still vote for the Lock Sportscast and the People's Choice Podcast Awards through the 31st. So this will be the last time I get to say this, at least for this round. So please consider going over there to podcastawards.com and voting for the Lock Sportscast. First up in the news, over the last few months, I've received multiple emails offering to sell me a list of Aloha Convention and Security Expo 2021 attendees. So I just thought I would put it out there. The uh, first one I thought was just a one-off, but it appears that there are multiple people trying to sell this list. Whether the, the whole thing is a scam or not, I don't know whether they actually have a list, but they both seem to claim to have very similar details in the list. They have the company name, the contact name, first, middle, and last, job title, website, contact number, email, city, state, zip, country code, sick code, fax number, lots of interesting information there. None of them give a price, and I wouldn't be interested in buying anyway, so I will never know if it's an actual scam, but just something to be aware of when you're signing up for these conferences that they may be letting your information out. I also thought that I would mention an article on Lifehacker that I ran across called Weird Things You Didn't Know You Could Bring on a Plane. They say the list of things you can bring on a plane is maybe just as strange as what you can't. Many of us had something confiscated by the TSA at one time or another. Obviously, anything seen as a weapon is likely to be pocketed by an agent. The list contains sections entitled Food You Can Bring With You Through Security, How to Bring Liquids on a Plane, now for the miscellaneous items, and the interesting section for us lock sporters is entitled, These Sharp Objects Are Allowed in Your Carry-On Luggage, and they say according to the TSA's website, you're allowed to bring nail clippers, scissors that are less than four inches from the pivot point, knitting needles, disposable razors, lock picks, safety pins, and tweezers. They do add the caveat here that if an agent tries to confiscate your approved objects, you can try pointing out that they are listed on the TSA's website as an allowed item. However, keep in mind the TSA also states, final decision rests with the TSA, TSA officer on whether an item is allowed through a checkpoint, so they might take it away anyway, and there's nothing you can do about it. So I wouldn't recommend trying to take your best set of lockpicks on an airplane. 
and Packlock posted a video this week called Pack Prototype, the UCS444 series, Testers Needed. The description reads, Packlock's latest Pack Prototype series features Packlock company's newest lock design, the UCS-444. Packlock's newest prototype is ready for real-world testing, and Packlock is giving away several prototype locks for testing and feedback. Built for Pelican cases and similar storage cases, the UCS-444 is UCS-compatible and features stainless steel anti-saw pins. They have a link on there for the tester sign-up, where you go to actually sign up to try to be selected as a tester. When I follow that link, it reads, Thanks for your interest in Packlock's new UCS-444A. This is an important process for Packlock. We really appreciate any feedback we can get from potential customers. If we've nailed it and don't need, any, don't need to make any changes, then great. But if you can help us identify any improvement and fixes, then that's better for everyone. The way this works is for you to first complete this web form, and that will enter you into a pool of people from which Packlock will select five candidates for us to send prototypes to for real-world testing. Ultimately, we want to find people who can quickly test, provide quality feedback with pictures, and hopefully have a variety of different cases. That's our ideal tester. Anyone that submits this form will receive a 15% off coupon code for your first Packlock Amazon order. The cutoff date for sign-up is 11.59.59 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, August 1st, 2021. And Schlage posted a new YouTube video called Schlage with Pure Access Ecosystem Overview. They say, looking for an electronic access control solution for low to medium complexity applications? Want to protect more of your facility for less money? The Pure Access Cloud software is fully hosted access control platform that can be managed at any time from anywhere. Pure Access Cloud now supports Schlag RC reader controllers, Schlag NDE and LE wireless locks, as well as Schlag mobile and 13.56 megahertz smart credentials for complete interior and exterior solution. This video highlights popular applications and describes the features and benefits of the solution. So as always, links to those things will be in the show notes if that's something that piques your interest. First up in community news, there's been a lot of talk about Bosnian Bill here this last week. The first thing that I saw was a post on the lockpicking subreddit on Wednesday entitled Where's Bosnian Bill? And it said it has been several weeks since he released a video and it seems his site isn't loading. Uh, user CSE-Crazy commented said, I emailed him last week and surprisingly got a reply. This is what he told me. Since his update about his friend getting COVID, he has been taking care of his friend's children, which has kept him more than busy. He's still taking time off. Um, That much we know from the last episode I did. As far as his website, LockLab, unfortunately, the server host randomly decided to close, taking his website and money with it. He doesn't know whether or not he wants to start it up again. He's, He's okay well and just taking time for himself and family he'll be back someday and then the post was edited and it said edit forgot to add his friend is slowly getting better and will hopefully be released from the hospital in the next week or so now keep in mind that all this information i'm getting third hand through this commenter so i'm just reading what the commenter posted i have no idea if this is accurate information or not then on thursday bill all at once 
it appeared posted 12 videos, but what it looks like is that they were old videos that he switched from unlisted to public. You can tell because some of the comments are years old. They were most likely the ones that were for his website, the ones for his lock lab uh, training that were on his website that is now down. And that was confirmed in a tweet just this morning as I'm recording on Saturday from Locknoob. I'll read part of that tweet thread here. He said, I've been in contact with Bosnian Bill after 12 previously hidden videos popped up on his channel. As you know, Bill has been taking a break from his channel while he and his wife looked after a personal matter. During this period, the company that looked after LockLab website also went under. It looks unlikely that it will return. Bill also expressed that he will also be extending his break from making videos for the foreseeable future. And he goes on to say, I hope that this might clear up any concerns people have over the multiple videos being released. Bill didn't want them to go to waste. So there you go. That is the latest on the Bosnian Bill situation. We hope everything works out for him. Seems like everything has kind of turned against him all at once here. In more upbeat news, we have what appears to be the first public pick of the Goal P6 pin by Duckfax. The description on the video reads, Haven't seen any other videos of this lock being picked. Does that make this a world's first public pick? Very likely. I didn't do any checking to confirm it, but I did see a post on one of the discords saying that they thought it was also the first public pick. And so congratulations to Duckfax. The video will be linked in the show notes. It's called Gold P, Six Pin, Picked and Gutted. So go check that out and give him some congratulations. Also, we have a new post on the Tool Black Bag blog called Manipulating the Stanton Concepts RKS. The post was posted by, and I'm going to butcher this name because it's got one of those letters with the dots above it that I don't know how to pronounce, but it's Tom Ekloof. I'll read the first part of the post here just as a teaser. It's a very detailed post with a lot of pictures and explanation and links to other resources about this particular lock if you're interested, but it is a fascinating little lock. I recommend you go check out the blog post. So this is the first part of the article here. This is a proof of concept for manipulation method for the RKS. At least a passing familiarity with safe combination lock manipulation is assumed. As far as I know, this is the first public manipulation for the RKS, or at least it was when I did the actual manipulation some months before writing this post. I'll provide a quick rundown of how the RKS lock works, but I suggest reading Han Fei's excellent write-up for more in-depth information, which that article is linked in the uh, blog post for anyone interested. And he says, note that there are some differences between what's detailed in the documented version versus what I have, but the general idea is the same. The article goes on to say that the RKS cam lock innards resemble a hybrid of a fixed drive pin combination lock and a disc detainer lock. Like both disc detainers and combination locks, it has several discs with gates on them, i.e. wheels in combination lock terms, but the RKS dock uses discs, so I've stuck to that same terminology here. Five in my version, and the drive disc is equivalent to the cam. Like in combination locks, the gates can use the full 360 degree of the disc. Each disc, including the drive disc, has multiple false gates in addition to a true gate, but they're equally spaced, 
Like the Distainer cam lock, the plug is prevented from rotating by a sidebar that fits into the gates on the discs. The combination is changed by changing the position of drive pin on the edge of each disc, similarly to screw change combination locks, although it seems like only the bottom or dialer side pin is changeable, or possibly the ones I tried were just very tight, but I didn't want to force them considering how tiny these screws are. Anyway, it's a very fascinating lock in a very well, long, detailed, written blog post, so I recommend you go check that out. Again, that is uh, at the Tool Black Bag blog, and link will be in the show notes. And in the Abstract Security Discord, there was an announcement that said, Hey, sorry for bothering you all today. Hope you are having a great day. I just want to share something with you all. One of our projects is finally done. I know it has been a minute since our last project, which you can find, as always, on our website. But I think you will like this one. It is our beginner abstract security CTF. Well, it's not a classical CTF, but you will see it is aimed at people who are just discovering the world of physical security and for people who want to expand their knowledge. It is meant to introduce you to the wonders of FISSEC and to test your knowledge a bit. It's not anything hard, but some basics. We made it for people of this server, but you can share it anywhere as I hope this project of ours will help people to understand FISSEC better. And I'm using that line here as permission to share it here. They say they continue to say, I hope you like it. And as always, if you have any suggestions or ideas for a project, DM me or the mods and we'll happily discuss it. Thanks to everyone who helped us and thank you all for being here. I will have a link to that in the show notes for anyone who's interested. Next up is the videos that I enjoyed this week. We have the first one was by Ken Nixon, Tear Gas Lock, and it's picking a vintage tear gas lock with an eagle cylinder with a very tight keyway. The front of the lock reads, Tear Gas, warning, this device rented and not sold for service phone your local representative, United Service Co. Inc. Anyway, very cool video. Uh, interesting lock. I love all these antique locks. Especially fascinating are these ones where they were booby-trapped. Crazy stuff. And next up, we had a video by Chris Capoon. His number 1577, Bizarre Russian Combo Lock. This thing is truly unique. It's uh, a key cylinder with a combination that disables the key cylinder is what it appears to be. So in the center is an actual key cylinder, pin tumbler key cylinder. But in addition to the key cylinder, there are four other little uh, rotating devices that can set a combination. And when that combination is not set properly, the key cylinder is prevented from turning. So it looks like a way to lock out the key device. So you have to have two factors kind of a two-factor authentication lock cylinder anyway i thought it was really interesting i can't even begin to do a good job of describing it so go check out chris's video lock picking legend put out another one of the cross-section videos this one is on the multi-lock classic pin and pin it's the same frontal front on cross-section that he did last time but this time on the multi-lock classic pin and pin and shows how the pin and pin works and why you get the deep false set that you get in those. So definitely worth checking out. Gives you a good visual of what's happening in the lock 
as you're picking it. So if you're new to multi-locks, this is definitely one to check out. And first up in meetups, we have an announcement by Packlock USA that Packlock is on the move to Florida. Come meet Pack Prez and Packlock crew at this year's Aloha convention in Orlando. Autographs, catalogs, and more surprises to be announced. See you at booth number 607. So if you're going to be going to Aloha or you're in the Florida area, might be worth checking out. And a couple of days ago in the Lockpickers United Discord, Fire Shaper, owner of the Lockpickers United Discord, posted that on August 26th, they're going to be doing a specialized entry training and certification course by Augusta Locksports Inc. in Georgia. I recommend that if you are at all interested, go over to the Lockpickers United Discord, check the conferences and meetups channel, and you can find the details and the link there. The link will to the event will also be in the show notes if you don't want to go over to the Discord. I recommend you check that out. Just promoting it because it is by one of our community members. It's not a meetup per se, but a training opportunity held by one of our community members, and I thought it might be a good event for people to know about. Also, as I mentioned last week, we have Lock Camp coming up, and they are selling tickets, and Lock Camp will be taking place November 12th through the 14th in Lockhart, Texas, so if you're interested, be sure to check out the link in the show notes. And if you're going to be at a Lock Camp, you might take the opportunity to meet Pat Watson of Uncensored Tactical. He is hosting a session there. I believe it's an extra cost for his se- session at the lock camp, but he will be there for the weekend. So you can go ahead and meet up with him and pick his brain. Also, he will be hosting a tactical lock picking course on December 2nd through the 3rd in Mississippi. So if you are in the first responder field or you just have a need to be able to make real world entries on buildings, vehicles, whatever, this would be a good course to attend. You can check out his site, uh, utac.io, for extra details. Link, of course, will be in the show notes. In new products, PackPrez posted on Reddit, almost there, look out Abloy with a picture of their new disk detainer lock and keys. And in the post, he says, everything in that picture, minus the keys, are 100% made in the USA. The padlock body, core housing, core plug, rotating disc, spacers, spring clips, made in the USA. First articles are of the CNCs and we're running tests. Full-scale production for our military order will ramp up next week. We will be producing an Amazon keyway that will have full card protection for key control. All through Amazon is the plan. The keys and cores in the picks are our G keyway for government. Yeah, we're creative. This keyway is exactly the keyway Abloy produced or produces strictly for the U.S. military. We've copied it so that our military can have a second option to purchase more GSFP padlocks and the keys for their Abloy padlocks for, from a U.S. manufacturer. Needless to say, our goal is to take over that number one spot and have Abloy be considered a second option. It will take some time, but Packlock will get there. And yes, we're still planning on doing some sort of commemorative one of 100 first-run padlocks that we intend to produce a nice certificate of authenticity signed by yours truly, Prez. And someone asked for literally the first padlock off the production line. I already have that. And it's completely non-functional because I programmed the CNCs to run an operation using a half-inch end mill, but a three-quarter inch end mill was in there instead. Yeah, 
pole way too big. But still, this was the first one off the line, and we'll be doing something fun with that one. It's on my desk right now. So stay tuned for updates on that. I, if you see any that I haven't announced yet, be sure to share them with me. I've been trekking this new DD lock from Packlock for a while. Also in new tools, CLK Supplies put out a video announcing their new 3-in-1 tool that will replace three items on your workbench. The description of their video reads, The new locksmith tool, it's finally here. The locksmith tool you've been waiting for. The Big Bro is a 3-in-1 tool that replaces the need for a plug follower, cylinder cap removal tool, and a master pin follower. This tool will make your rekeying jobs easier, faster, while saving you space and time. So yeah, that's their new tool. It's very similar to their previous tool, the mullet, but with the a little bit longer with the addition of the master pin follower feature on that. And if you aren't aware what the master pin follower is, just check out the link in the show notes to their video, and he demonstrates what that function is. Lockpickers United belts this week. We have three new purple belts. We have Hell Angel, Iona West, Staymore 547, all with new purple belts as of when I recorded this. And we have one new red belt, Helix. Congratulations to all of you on your accomplishments. Very, very well done. No new black belts this week, so we'll move. And no speedlocks.org records posted this week that I saw before recording. And with that, I'd like to say thank you to the people that made this show possible. I'll start by thanking our newest Patreon subscriber who goes by the name Mr. Picker on Reddit. Thank you very much for signing up. And with that, the other Patreon subscribers, we have Bill N., Medler, Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starrylock, Williams Brain, Dave to be deciphered, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, PH Picker, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Cherell, Patty Cakes, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, and the newest Mr. Picker. Chief content producer for this episode, which, if you don't know already, is the person that sent in the most information used in this particular episode, is again going to be to Cherell. And the other content producers who sent in information that I used in this episode, and I thank you all very, very much. We have Good Guy, High Fisk, John Gonzalez, Kraken, Mr. Black Magic, Panda Frog, Pocket Woman, Rune, Starlock, and Tony Varelli. And just so everybody knows, I'm very generous with these credits. If I if you send something in and somebody else has already sent it in, I will still give you credit. It's the effort that matters, not being the first. So just remember the show is only possible because of your information and support. So if you value this podcast, please send in news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that's Locksbar related that you might think the community would benefit from knowing. It doesn't matter if it's small little bit of information or something big that you think somebody has already sent me. Send it anyway. A lot of people think that somebody else is going to do it and that I don't get it. This episode is a prime example. That list of content producers is actually pretty short, and a lot of that is for ongoing content. Most of this I had to search out myself while I was supposed to be doing my work. Anyway, uh, you can send anything you have to podcast at thelocksportscast.com or just go to thelocksportscast.com slash support for all the different ways to support the podcast, including where to send information. Don't forget to share the podcast with your lockpicking friends either in person or online. You can leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, specifically Apple Podcasts allows that. Or you can leave a comment and a thumbs up on YouTube if you happen to be subscribing over there. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on the podcast or YouTube channel. 
Also, you can support the show financially by donating on PayPal or subscribing on Patreon. If you do subscribe on Patreon, you do get a private RSS feed that allows you to get the episodes a little bit sooner before the normal release time. Basically, when I'm done editing them and I've verified that the information is correct, I post it to Patreon and then I schedule it for a normal release on the RSS feed. If you support the show with a donation or information that I use, I will give you a credit in the show and in the show notes. So if you want to hear your name on the show, send me in some information or subscribe on Patreon or donate on PayPal. I probably should go over how the different credits are earned. So the executive producer credit is for one-time donations or the specific executive producer section or tier on Patreon. Then we have founding executive producers, which is a specific tier on Patreon for people who signed up in the early part of the podcast. And that specific credit is no longer available. We do have associate executive producer tier on Patreon and a co-producer tier on Patreon. And there's also one just for fans, which is not a credited tier. But if you just want to help out with a little bit, uh, you can sign up for that one. Chief content producer is the person who sends in the most content used in an episode, and that can be new content or the ongoing giveaway or sales information. And everyone who supplies me with any type of information that I use in the show, no matter how big, small, even if multiple people send it, you will all get a credit as a content producer for the episode. And as far as I'm concerned, this is a real credit. You are supplying me with the content I need to make the show. And if anybody wants to put it on a resume, feel free. It's called Content Producer. And I will, if, if you supply them with my contact information, I will back up that credit. On to the state of the podcast. As I've been announcing for several weeks now, please vote for Lock Sportscast in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. You can vote for it in the Games and Hobbies category and the Adam Curry People's Choice Podcast Awards category. I would appreciate it if you could go to podcastawards.com and cast your vote if you haven't already. I really appreciate the support. Any feedback you can give on their voting system would be appreciated. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but it looks like there's a registration and then there's the actual what we're doing now, which is the nomination section. And then I think if you make it through that, there's possibly another voting section. I don't know. I'm just feeling it out as I go, trying to figure out how it works, getting ideas for the Locky Awards. And yeah, so speaking of the Locky Awards, I have had a few more submissions for the Locky Awards art contest. If you are interested in submitting an idea, uh, go ahead and send them in. I am I have a favorite as of right now, but that could change if somebody else sends something in. So we'll just keep going from there. I would also like it if you could send me any feedback you have. Go to locksportscast.com slash contact to find all the different ways to contact me. And you can send me either written feedback or an audio or video feedback if you want it to be played on the show. Go ahead. Um, Just keep it clean and safe, and I will be sure to get that out there. For this week's Crazy Locksmith story, we have another one from the American Key Supply website that said, I got a call one time on a 2008 Chevy Cobalt. The customer had locked his only set of keys inside the car, so they called me to find out how much it would cost to get the door unlocked. I told them over the phone, I can open it for $100 and I will do it in a way so that you will not damage your car. They said, okay, but no thanks. 
I told them I am good at what I do, which is why I believe my $100 charge is fair. I have a, no idea what they were doing, but I get a call back two hours later and they asked me if I can come down really quick. When I arrive, I saw holes in the driver's door, bent marks on the trunk, driver and passenger door, and a wire sticking out of the driver lock. Needless to say, they damaged the driver lock. After I asked for the money up front, I got out my EEZ GMZ reader on the passenger lock, which luckily was not damaged, and I cut a key to code in about two minutes. They ended up asking me how I did it so fast. I just said, I am only here to open the locked car, not to teach. Sometimes it's cheaper just to pay the locksmith. And for a strange story this week, uh, to stay work and family safe, I'm going to clean up the language just a little bit. But it was single Thai man's member trapped in small padlock for two weeks. It reads, The Bachelor, 38, clamped the metal device around the base of his manhood for a thrill about two weeks ago, but he lost the key and his limbs started to swell. He tried unsuccessfully to remove the lock, so left it on his member for more than 14 days until it became infected and the pain was unbearable. The embarrassed man's mother, who tried to help him, called emergency services and firemen went to his home in Bangkok, Thailand on the evening of July 16th. She told the medics that her son did not have a girlfriend and was, quote, bored because he had been staying at home during the COVID-19 pandemic. She also said, he told me he did this because he was bored and he likes putting his thing through small holes. I was angry with him for embarrassing me like this and I've told him not to do it again. Rescue officers said they received the emergency call, but the injury was worse than they expected and they had rushed a man to the nearest hospital. Medics spent more than 30 minutes using an electric cutter to slice through the metal lock. They slid a thin piece of metal between the bar and the man's skin to prevent it from being cut and squirted water onto it for cooling and lubrication. Once it was released, they administered antibiotic cream and gave the man penicillin tablets. Despite the appendage now being released, medics said there could be lasting damage because of the amount of time the padlock was stuck, and they say the appendage has been disfigured by the ordeal. And one of them was quoted as saying, We received the emergency call and did not know the full details, so we were surprised when we arrived. It was worse than we thought. If the padlock had stayed on any longer, the infection could have been so bad that it would have started to rot and get gangrenous. In the hospital, he was in pain and screaming so loudly because it was so swollen, removing the metal was very difficult. We can't give the man's name, but we want to make the news public to prevent other people from doing this kind of thing. It can be very dangerous and damage the body. So there's a lesson of what not to do with your padlocks. In lockpicking criminal news, this first one is technically a... There's no mention in the article of lockpicking, but the question is how did they gain access to the gas pumps involved here, whether they picked the lock or it was one of those generic key situations, we don't know. But the title of the article is FBI Investigating After High Tech Credit Card Skimmer is Found at Michigan Gas Station. This was in Gladwin County, Michigan. They say a high-tech credit card skimmer was found at a Gladwin, Ga- or Gladwin County gas station this week. The Michigan Department of Agriculture Rural Development said on Wednesday, the device cannot be seen from outside the pump. It is located inside where it can make a copy of the consumer's credit card information, which scammers can use to make fraudulent transactions. 
The device is operated via Bluetooth, meaning the thief can access the information without removing the device from the pump. The skimmer was found at a convenience store gas station in Gladwin during a routine inspection. Gary McDowell, the MDARD director, said, Bottom line, this is theft. The criminals are stealing someone's personal information for fraudulent use. These inspections are just another way that MDARD is protecting Michigan consumers at the pump. I'm sure there's a way you're supposed to pronounce that acronym. I don't know what it is. He continued to say, kudos to our weight and measure staff for their vigilance in protecting consumers' pocketbooks and personal identification. So it sounds like it was found during inspection by the weights and measures people. They are working with the FBI and local law enforcement to track down the thieves. The department will continue to look for skimmers during every routine pump inspection. Craig Van Buren of the lab division said the station owner had security measures in place to protect their patrons, such as security tape. Unfortunately, the thieves sliced through it, likely with some type of thin razor blade, making it very difficult to see the cut. And they go on to say that if you believe your information may have been compromised, contact your banking institution immediately. And again, we don't know how they physically opened the pump station, whether they had a key, whether it's a generic key or they copied a key, whether there was somebody who might have access to a pump key normally, or if they picked the lock, we don't know. The next article is suspect wearing wig breaks into DC steakhouse and steals money. Chandler Police Department released footage of a July 4th burglary at the DC steakhouse and say the man in the video has been arrested. Police say the suspect was wearing a face mask and orange shirt while using bolt cutters to break the lock to get into the steakhouse just before 9 a.m. He then left on a skateboard before coming back wearing a different outfit, including a wig underneath a hat. Police say once he came back, he forced himself into the office, stealing a large amount of money. Lori LaPlante, owner of the D.C. Steakhouse, says he knew where he was going. The person that robbed us made a beeline for the office. If you walk into our back door, you wouldn't know that the office was there if you haven't been tipped off by somebody already. LaPlante says the suspect was in the office for about a minute. Quote, he went right for the office, was literally in there for 60 seconds, and popped open the cabinet and grabbed the bank bags that were in there, then made a beeline for the bar, which we also keep a locked cooler, another bank bag, and he knew exactly where he was going. The suspect reportedly got away with $14,500 in cash and caused $15,000 in property damage. The suspect was arrested on July 15th at his Mesa home, where police say they found a lockpick set, skateboard, and foam wig. The last criminal story here, Galsberg man charged after a single vehicle crash while intoxicated. Says just before 11.30 p.m. Saturday, July 17th, Galesburg police responded to reports of an accident with injuries. Officers arrived and observed a sedan that had hit a curb and was resting in tall, weeded grass section off the shoulder. Driver was unconscious, slumped over in the driver's seat. According to police reports, he was having difficulty breathing, and officers knew an overdose had occurred. Police administered Narcan, and the suspect's breathing improved, and he regained consciousness after Galesburg Fire Department Personnel arrived and administered a second dose of Narcan. Suspect stepped out of the vehicle and was escorted to an ambulance with the assistance of the fire department and police department. 
They found a small amount of what field tested positive for methamphetamine in his pocket, and cannabis products were found inside the car, as well as latex gloves, plastic baggies, a scale, and a lockpick set. A portion of the field sobriety test was conducted at the hospital, and they showed numerous signs of impairment. He was ultimately charged with driving under the influence of intoxicant, intoxicating compounds, driving a, on a suspended license, possession of meth, and failure to reduce speeds. So sounds like wasn't charged for the pick set in this particular case because it wasn't a burglary charge, probably. Anyway, interesting story because the Narcan use and effectiveness would in, and the labored breathing would indicate that the suspect was under the influence of uh, opiates, but there were no opiates specifically found at the scene. They had cannabis products and methamphetamine. So quite the uh, cocktail of drugs going on there. For sales this week, Peterson sent out an email with the new pick set called the GSP Mix Match. Also a 15% off code for order of $50 or more from my testing. That's what it requires is a $50 order or more. You can apply the code AS6BF6X225. So that's Alpha Sierra 6 Bravo Foxtrot 6 X-Ray 225. That expires on August 6th. 15% off your order of $50 or more at thinkpeterson.com. Tony Varelli, 10% off with the code LSCAST10. So you can go to 3dlocksport.com and get 10% off if you use our special code there. Again, all these codes are just codes benefiting you. I don't get anything. These are not affiliate codes. I get nothing out of this. Just trying to save you guys some money. Mako Locks, 15% off of the code BUYMAKO. Seems to always work. Nobody knows if there's an expiration date. Uh, UKLockPickers.co.uk, 10% off of the code GIFT. Again, no expiration. Seems to just keep working. So give it a try if you're going to be ordering from there anyway. Giveaways. The RunePicker hashtag RP Double Trouble multi-celebration giveaway is still running through the 27th. So if you are listening to this immediately after it go- comes out, you can still get in. You have to be a subscriber. Like and share the video. Use the hashtag RP Double Trouble in your video. And make a video picking a lock with the assistance of someone else. One person tensions, the other picks, and it can be any lock. Also, Lock Kraken, the July giveaway, hashtag KrakenJuly21. He just wants you to tell him how you discovered Locksport and use the hashtag KrakenJuly21. PandaFrog, the July giveaway is still running for a few more days, hashtag PandaFrog21July. Giving away one of his challenge coins and a random lock. Be sure to head over to his channel, link in the show notes, as with all of these. CLK Supplies, hashtag Lockboss Giveaway, every week. Go check out their channel for that giveaway. Also, the Lock Sportscast monthly giveaway for either my custom Packlock 100A or a $20 gift code for HooliganKeys.com if you don't want one of my locks or you already have one. That might be a good option for you. Details are in the show notes, the YouTube description and at giveaway.thelocksportscast.com. Lots of places you can find those. Basically, just share information with me that I can use on the show, or share the show online and make sure to tag me in it so I know you shared it, and I will get you an entry. 
As always, remember to send me any information you have that's Locksport related. Even if you don't think it's important, it might just be the little bit of information I need to put my show together. Thank you for all of your continued support. I really appreciate all of you. The show would not be possible without you. And frankly, I wouldn't want to do it without you. I love all the feedback I get. It really brightens my week every time somebody sends me a note thanking me for the show. It really, really helps me. Remember to keep it legal. Legal.